0: Welcome back. It's Swing Pass. Daniel's back. We're back to full strength here, and we're going to talk about a slate of big East Division offseason signings. I was here with you last weekend running solo, kind of just getting to the nitty-gritty of the DC Breeze, getting Andrew Roy, Cole Jurek, and then Joe Merrill in some big offseason events. And then Philly, over the past several days, have been announcing the return of their offensive core, returning the 2022 Most Improved Player James Pollard, along with Jordan Ryan, the goal-scoring machine Greg Martin, as well as Brandon Pastor, who has been such a good need-fit for this Philly offense the past couple of seasons. We're going to really condense this episode around the East Division, what these signings mean. Daniel, you're back from LA. You're looking refreshed. What is your takeaway from Thank these you. big yeah. signings out east?
1: Well, it, it, I think Philly. Philly is so interesting to me. I just feel like they they've got this such a distinct play style and such a difference from New York and DC. So when it, when you name these signings Pollard and Ryan and Greg Martin, especially, like they're all so involved in that deep attack. So I mean, I I think you know you kind of expect more of the same from Philly. This year, And then the D.C. signings obviously were kind of the the big breaking news with Merrill's return and Jurek and Roy, two studs for Minnesota the past several seasons. They're going to make an impact, right? I think the, the biggest question is just like how much does that matter in the grand scheme of things, which we'll get into. You know, New York is still the team with the target on their backs. They're still the undefeated defending champs. So I, I just don't know if anything is going to be enough. To overcome New York, but we'll see what happens. It certainly has been the era of the empire of late,
0: but it does feel like these DC signings, in particular, are certain to send a little bit of waves through the competition. But we'll we'll get to those in a second. I wanted to focus on Philly for just a moment because I think after their kind of splash into the playoff scene in 2022, to finally make it back to the postseason after nine years away, one of the founding franchises in this league. You know, you talk about that deep ball attack. They led the AUDL last year in Hucks per game. They completed 10 per game. There wasn't a more potent downfield throwing duo than James Pollard and Jordan Ryan. The two combined for 60 Huck completions last year. Jordan Ryan, by the way, finished... Only second to Jonathan Nethercutt in total Huck completions last year at 33, completed 76% of those. There's a real strong argument he was the best deep thrower in the entire AUDL last year. feel like he's someone who doesn't quite get his flowers. And then, of course, Big Game James, I think, is someone you and I have been Pushing to be on offense for about a season and a half, two years or so. And we got yes. rewarded this last year with this breakout performance, just dominating with or without the disc as a big thrower, a big receiver. And I think more than anything, just kind of a talisman for where this Phoenix team is looking to go. They're, like you said, kind of against the grain of the what the rest of this East Division who loves precision, small ball so much. Philly loves to stretch you in the big field and go after you in space. They've got the athletes Mm -hmm. to do it. Along with Pollard, they've got Greg Martin, who just jumps out of the gym anytime he goes up one versus one or one versus three in a pack against defenders. He's got damn near, I think, 100 goals in the past two seasons, over 6,000 receiving yards. He's been one of the most consistent playmakers downfield. This Philly team has a lot of fireworks, and I think they showed a potency and an ability to punch with the top teams in the East this past year. But do you think their evolution can continue in a way where they're actually winning games against the top tier of New York and D.C. in this East division? I, it just it feels like for as much as their roster is improving, as much as you like all of the the things that the head coaching staff – led by Roger Chu has been doing, you know, there's there's so much to like about Philly, and yet there's such a precedent set by the t- two teams above them. How are they going to kind of close that gap in 2023?
1: It's tough. Yeah, I, I'm i just amazed that they had, I'm not amazed that they had the success that they did. Obviously, they've been trending upward for a while, but seeing the, the difference in play styles, like to very opposite extremes where D.C., are just the kings of possession, small ball, and we're kind of just seeing that trend throughout the AUDL and really Elite Ultimate in general. It's just like those those possession-based offenses that are really focused on limiting turnovers as opposed to just striking deep and playing big play offense. Like that is kind of the the modern trend that we're seeing really everywhere. And if Philly isn't doing that, I just don't know how a team can have the same level of efficiency when they're playing against a DC or New York and they're just kind of throwing the disc away deep. And not not to say that their Huck percentage was so low, but like in tight games, especially every single turnover matters a lot. And you're playing against teams that are only turning the disc over 10-ish times per game. So I'm just curious to see if Philly continues with that same approach or if maybe they dial it back a little bit more and and be a little bit more choosy with those huck opportunities. Like New York, they're not really a big hucking team numbers-wise, but it feels like they always have that option just because of their downfield playmakers and their throwers. So I feel like they've really optimized that balance of maintaining possession and still taking those shots when it matters. I think Philly is probably skewing a little bit more towards taking those deep shots when they don't necessarily have to. So I don't know, I I think they can kind of look to New York as an example type of offense that they might be able to run this year.
0: Yeah, I think you know we have these elevated expectations for Philly because the Phoenix are still growing into their feathers. This isn't a team that's fully developed or quite nearly as developed, I think, as the systems you see out of New York and D.C. You saw Phoenix kind of experimenting with some of their rotations throughout the year last year, and it wasn't until kind of that first half of the playoff game against the breeze where they put it all together and you go, Oh man, Philly has arrived, but, but it was a half it Yeah. And that's what I was getting to. It was unsustainable. You know, are these deep attack games in volume really sustainable? And I don't know necessarily the answer to that. I think that there are a handful of examples alongside Philly. You've got Colorado You've got Austin who like to shoot the disc deep and still have very effective offenses. Uh, Carolina also comes to mind. They're so good at packing deep space, but back to Philly, it, it doesn't seem like they quite have the discipline in shot taking to really elevate their play alongside those truly elite offenses. And, I'm really excited for the return of these guys, this core to get another season together. What Philly struggled with, with so many years was just getting consistency, getting the same lineups out there. So to see them running it back, I think is going to be great. But as we talked about at the top of the show, the the rich are getting richer in the East. You know, New York is presumably going to be returning basically their entire championship winning roster from last year. The front office has been emphatic about building a dynasty in new york and now you've got dc who you know i think i last had them ranked in the power ranking somewhere around like four but more and more i think were the breeze the second best team in 2022 and now they add andrew yeah. roy cole jurek and joe merrill to already one of the deepest and most utility oriented lineups in the audl i i mean It's going to be a dogfight between the Breeze and the Empire, but what do these additions mean for
1: D.C. heading into 2023? It's a great question because, you know, all three guys have pretty significant O-line experience at this point. While we saw some of Merrill and some of Jurek spot starting on defense occasionally last year, really these are like three O-line studs. The problem is D.C. last year, what, they had like 10 Nine. to 12 guys and like all the, the O-line rotations. Yeah. Just like they had the depth when guys were injured, they were missing games and, and they could just slot in uh, Jeremy Knopf kind of came out of nowhere and was playing like a very solid O-line role for them. By the end of the season, Zach Norbaum like wasn't even playing O-line anymore just because they had way too many guys available. And he was someone that has been very successful in the breeze offense for the past several years so, you know, you're just adding more guys to the mix. Like, does it really elevate their ceiling that much more? And I, I think Roy is the guy I want to focus on where I could see his impact being a, a good amount better than like a replacement level player for that O-line. I expect him to slot right in. He His play style is very much possession oriented. He can be a quarterback in that backfield. I expect him to be in more of like a, emotion, move role just because of the way this offense functions. But I think he has the skill set and just like the the field sense and comfortability with the disc in his hands to really embrace that role and thrive in it. So I, I see him as like the most probably week-to-week impactful addition just because I expect his completion numbers to stay pretty high and working alongside Rowan and Malks makes a lot of sense. But yeah, the other two, i am I'm a little... I'm just more interested in, in like where they slot in, whether that is in D-line roles or on the O-line. Uh, do you want to, I And mean, what are your initial thoughts on, I guess, let's start with Joe Merrill.
0: Well, I, I wanted to get back to A-Roy for a second, because I think watching him up close in the Central Division, having lived in Madison, having seen him play in person now, I think four or five times, one of the things that has been so impressive about the Minnesota offense the past two seasons is that. For years, that team struggled with Madison's zone looks on defense. For years, despite having very capable throwers, were somewhat thwarted by the the varying zone schemes and things that were thrown at their offense. Once Andrew Roy showed up at the beginning of 2021, Madison couldn't really play a zone anymore against that team. And it was almost singularly, singularly responsible because of the handling capabilities of Andrew Roy. And I just think that... Mm-hmm. No matter what team he's going to join, you get a little bit of an elevation of what's happening in the backfield. I mean, he had Pavel Giannis in his division, and you could say that Andrew Roy was just as good of a handler in the system with the windchill as Pavel has been the past two seasons with Chicago. I think that's the kind of play that he's going to be bringing to the breeze. He's already familiar with DC's system, having played in the amateur division with a roster very similar to this. I just expect Mm -hmm. him to, like you're saying, just plug in and go at the rate that we've been seeing him play at for the past two years with the windchill. But I think the other two signings, for as much as I agree with you about Roy probably being the week in, week out, most consistent producer, I think that they're going to be a little bit more, I don't want to say important, but maybe significant in the particular context of their rivalry against New York. And I will start with Joe Merrill because I think the biggest thing you can say about Joe Merrill besides his his flexing big guns and, and just kind of the, the, the consistency he brings to his approach. I mean, you talk about how he's been playing since he came into the league with the Breeze at the beginning of 2021. He's just been a week in, week out, efficient receiver who doesn't turn the disc mm-hmm. over ever. And he carried that over to Salt Lake last year, became a captain, helped lead that team to a West Division final Eventually ended up losing to Colorado, but Merrill completed 97% of his throws finished with over 3000 receiving yards, led the team in goals. He comes back. Everyone loves this dude. Everyone loves Joe Merrill. And I just think having another one of the, those guys on a DC roster, that's already so kind of gregarious and filling up with personalities. You've got AJ, you've got Rowan, you've got, uh, Uh, you know, like there's just uh, Alexander fall came back to that team and gave them a spark on defense that they so desperately needed. And now you get Joe Merrill who can play on either offense or defense, who is such a galvanizing rod for this team, even as a rookie in 2021, you know, when he made big plays, the sideline just comes off the field for that guy, him being back in DC, him taking the experience that he had with the shred back to an even more accomplished team, out East, I just think he's going to be such a benefit wherever they end up using him. I don't know if it's going to be an offense. He had twelve blocks last year for the Shred. He was so good situationally at getting yeah. the disc back for that team. I could see him being a great defender. Just kind of going to be a, 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 again that that dude you rally behind. It, it, he's just such an easy person to root for, and I think that that just gives. DC another edge that they need in any way against this New York team and then another point is and and it feels like we're leaving him last but I want to emphasize I think Cole Jurek might end up being the most important get in this kind of triage of signings that DC has announced I think that Cole Jurek might have the highest ceiling of these three gets for the breeze Mm -hmm. and I think that Particularly in a New York matchup where the Empire have really dominated in certain physical aspects of the game with their size, their ability to just dictate in one-on-one matchups, bringing in Jerk is going to be big for this Breeze team. And not to say that like the Breeze lack any kind of competitive edge or that they you know, came up anything less than a buzzer-beater shy of a championship weekend appearance this last year. But I think that we've all seen over the course of this rivalry's development that they need a little extra something. And Jurek is that something. Jurek has been that in big rivalry games in the Central Division the past two seasons. When he's played Madison, he showed out. 2021 had a big performance to put Madison's hopes down and I think, like, Week 3 matchup. Week 10 this past year, they go to Chicago. When she'll get a big road win there. It's kind of capped in the fourth quarter where Jerk posterizes Nate Goff in the end zone, comes away talking a whole bunch of words. You know, it, it, he's one of those guys, again, Joe kind of brings that kill him with kindness. Jerk might just start, you know, murking people it's in the, the air. Like, he, yeah. he is a beast in one-on-one matchups. And when he gets going, he can be a lot to handle. And I just think that he adds a little bit of an edge that DC had last year with like Tyler Monroe and Christian Boxley and the way that they kind of forced matchups in the middle of the field. I could see jerk adding into that kind of mix as well. I'm just really excited to see all three of these players play for a DC team that has such high expectations after coming up so close against the best team in the playoffs last year. And, and, and yet, We've been wondering this the whole time. Does this <laughs> make any difference? Does this actually challenge New York? Does this does this at all worry the crown?
1: Yeah, I I'm inclined to say no, not really. I mean, before the show we were talking a bit about like every time I think New York and DC match up, at least in the current uh iteration of these teams. I'd give New York like a 70-ish percent chance of winning those games. And maybe the maybe the percent increases in those playoff games where it just feels like New York has DC's number at this point. But, you know, it's not like things are going to swing to DC's favor after these signings. What it, what it could do is just increase DC's chance of winning those games. Like if they meet 10 times, could DC win four of them instead of three of them and those are gonna it's gonna come into play like when teams are only meeting a handful of times every season i think they'll have three games this year probably well assuming they meet in the playoffs they'll have three games this year you know it's it's like chances are are good that they win at least one of those it's just like when is that one win gonna come whether it's in the regular season or in the playoffs like it's still it still is gonna be hard for new york to win every single one of those meetings but they are gonna be favored in all of them, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And, you know, we've talked about this. DC has gotten the single wins, but I would contend, and I think it's kind of agreeing with what you're saying. It's like, they've never been a momentum win. They got that mid-season win in 2021 that ended New York's perfect season then, but it was like a New York team without Jack Williams, I think. It was at home for DC. They were playing like the best team in the league at that point in the season. And it just didn't feel like the same caliber of New York now starting three straight seasons with wins in Week One over the Breeze, over the mm-hmm. uh, last two playoff matchups that the Empire have won in 2022, and then way back in 2018 when they won that crazy torrential downpour game that kind of started this current iteration of the Empire dynasty. It it it's felt like DC for as being probably the closest challengers to this New York team has never held any kind of edge against them. And I think that these three signings might tilt it a little bit closer. Like, I I think that there is the chance. I I I agree with you for now. I don't know that it moves the needle enough for me to say that DC is going to be eye to eye with New York. Right. I think it changes the playoff game last year. I think these three signings if they're active for DC in that East Division title game and it's everything kind of the same, I think they absolutely help that team pull it out. You talk about Roy, Maybe. one of the best pivot handlers, you're talking about Merrill, one of the best just playmakers, dude you can rely on in big moments and they've got Jurek as an X factor, which again is kind of the thing that they've been missing. Like for as good as the rest of this roster has been, for as much of an MVP caliber player as Rowan has been, for as good as A.J. Merriman has been, Christian Boxley, Tyler Monroe, all these guys, it's just felt like they didn't have that kind of punching power answer to the Jack Williams Haymakers, the Jeff Babbitt and Ben Yat Skies at the end of quarter. It feels Maybe. like these three players might give them a little bit more of that puncher's chance. I, I don't know. I
1: don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe I don't know. Country. I like I think Jurick and Merrill I I see that for a little bit more but even them like they're very very good downfield cutters and and Jurek obviously has some some throwing talent to his game as well but you just you compare it to like the names and the stars that New York has and they're just not quite at that level. Not to say that their ceiling can't be up there, but I just don't think we've seen it at this point for those guys to be like true game-changing presences so i i view these signings as like like what exactly what problem is dc fixing by adding these guys or are they just like expanding their depth they're making sure every single line of seven they have out on the field is like as good as the previous line of seven and maybe that's something maybe it's like dc's You know, bottom seven of their roster could be above New York's bottom seven of their roster. And like those will be matchups that are going to make a difference in these meetings. So to me, it's just like adding more depth rather than necessarily raising the ceiling a significant amount for DC.
0: I think we've seen though that DC has been maybe the best team at balancing that issue that so many face where there's an abundance of talent, but then you have that kind of problem of many where you're figuring out where exactly to fit everyone in. So they each get their kind of reps and touches and get into their own rhythm. Right. What's your, like what's your, what's
1: your universe point? What's your universe point O-line for DC right now? For example, like who, who are the seven you would put out there?
0: i totally get the point that you're trying to make and i think that it resonates with every other team but this breeze squad i think that head coach daryl stanley and just the general leadership of this team have shown their ability to be adaptable in given situations has really like elevated the overall efficiency of their system and i guess there could be an argument made the opposite way that in those same moments, maybe they don't have a reliable lineup that they can just lean back on. And it is always kind of in flux a little bit. I mean, I, I, I see both sides. I just yeah. think that I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt at this point that DC will figure out how to best optimize and utilize their pieces. I mean, we wondered that last so. year going in when they were running 9-10 deep with their offensive line, and they ended up having one of the most efficient offensive seasons ever, obviously occluded by New York's most efficient season of all time, but that 2022 DC team was not to be messed with. It's pretty good. I, I think we're all kind of winding up to the point of DC has added a bunch of notable people, but if you come at the King, you best not miss. New York will be <laughs> ostensibly returning most of their championship roster. We're still waiting to hear the first announcements from them as well as a host of other AUDL teams. But, obviously, the AUDL is alive and well. Still over three months until opening poll, which we can confirm will happen on Friday, April 28th, 2023. I know I speak at the angle myself. We are so excited for that day to approach. It cannot come soon enough. Schedule should be announced in, I think, uh, about two weeks' time. We'll be along with you all of the way. This is Swing Pass. We'll be back in a week. See ya.